Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 906. We've started a lot of our recent shows off with avian audio postcards, and we thought we would do that again this morning with a beautiful one from San Diego, California. Hi, everyone. This is Haley from San Diego. All that humming and chirping is about a dozen hummingbirds all trying to drink out of my feeder at once. That's really unusual for our little garden. We usually have just two or three Annas that are coming and going, but the past two to three weeks we've had like 10 to 15 all buzzing around at once, chasing each other, trying to drink out of the feeders all at once, and I've been having to fill it up every day. But it's really been awesome to watch, and they're just so entertaining. I'm assuming they're here because some might be migrating through, but we've seen Annas, Rufus, Allens, and Black Chinned as well. So we're having a lot of fun with these little guys. Happy birding! Thank you, Haley. Haley Perez out there in San Diego. By the way, Haley has a wonderful Instagram page. It's Haley and Hummingbirds where she shares about birding and gardening and vegan food. If it looks really good, it's Haley and Hummingbirds on Instagram. Last week, we gave a brief summary of the new U.S. State of the Birds report, which, not surprisingly, describes the dwindling populations of most bird species and groups, the group whose populations have fallen most dramatically, is that of the grassland species. Well, to that end, U.S. Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon, with Senate co-sponsors Michael Bennett of Colorado and Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, have introduced a bill that would invest $290 million in voluntary initiatives to conserve and restore native grasslands while supporting ranchers and farmers and tribal nations, sportsmen and women, and rural communities, and also helping to recover wildlife like the western meadowlark and monarch butterflies and to safeguard that vital habitat. It's the Act for Grasslands. The website, certainly worth checking out, is actforgrasslands.org. And we'll keep an eye out on uh, progress uh, of that uh, bill. Speaking of bills, this bird has a pretty long one. It's our mystery bird. This is a little preview of our mystery bird contest coming along a bit later on in this morning's show. Our mystery bird is a medium-sized wading bird, up to 30 inches long with a wingspan of about two and a half feet. Breeding adults have blue-gray plumage, except for the head and neck, which are purplish with short blue plumes. The long-pointed bill is pale blue or grayish with a dark tip. Legs and feet are greenish-blue. Sexes look similar. 
Young birds are all white in their first year, except for dark wingtips and have dull greenish legs. Our bird, which forages often belly deep in freshwater, brackish, or saltwater wetlands, feeding mostly on small fish, is found mostly along the Atlantic coast from Massachusetts to Florida, most common in Florida and along the Gulf of Mexico. Some clues and the uh, semi-lovely sound of our mystery bird contest in a little bit. Prizes include a $15 gift certificate for Beautio Books, a family-owned company offering one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. And while you're enjoying a wonderful read from Beautio Books, you can sip some delicious coffee courtesy of today's other prize if you're our winner, a 12-ounce bag of shade-grown certified organic Bird-friendly and delicious birds and beans coffee. And we have another special prize this morning, too, which we'll describe in just a bit. Here's our Make Your Own Swag contest update. Today we announce our fifth weekly winner in the contest. And the prize is uh, another Beautio Books gift certificate, a $100 one. And the winner of our Make Your Own Swag contest for this week, as uh, determined by our astute panel of judges is Brad Griffith from Centerville, Minnesota. Brad sent us a cool photo, which we'll put on our website. He's on a walk there with St. Paul Audubon Society and Friends of Swede Hollow. Got that Talking Birds patch on his blue birding shirt. He's also holding up a large trash bag in the photo because he's plurting. That's right, doing one of our favorite things, picking up litter while birding. That's plurting. Next on our Make Your Own Swag Contest, a random drawing, and we'll announce the grand prize of that Vortex HD Viper Spotting Scope. A little salute here to some very special people. They're Talking Birds ambassadors, listeners who have transformed themselves into ambassadors in helping us spread the word about the show and about birds and conservation. Thank you to Gary from Morris County, New Jersey, about 30 miles or so west of New York City. Thank you so much, Gary. And thank you to Kelly from O'Fallon, Missouri. She says, I enjoy going birding with my daughter, and I'm the regional lead for the St. Louis chapter of the Missouri Young Birders Club. It's a statewide club, four chapters across the state. She says, I love to spread my love of birds and conservation to others that I see in the field. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks for those kind comments. We'd love to thank more Talking Birds listeners who become Talking Birds ambassadors. Just go to our website, talkingbirds.com. Click on the Get Involved button to see how to do it. Still to come today, brilliant photographer Peter Cavanaugh will tell us about his spectacular new book, 100 Flying Birds, Photographing the Mechanics of Flight. Also today, Mike O'Connor will join us for a live Let's Ask Mike segment in which he'll talk about mothballs. I'm sure he has a good reason. Meanwhile, we figured out last week's mystery bird needed a bigger spotlight than the contest provided, so we've made that bird this week's featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine for more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. What's a pina cola? No, it's not a Pepsi-based version of the pina colada. It's the genus name of two bird species, the crimson-brown finch of Asia 
and today's featured feathered friend, Pinacola enucleator, the pine grosbeak. It's a colorful nomad of the northern forests, which sometimes wanders in winter into the lower 48, although usually only the upper lower 48, except in the far west, where it can be found from Idaho down to Utah. The pine grosbeak's breeding territory ranges from Alaska east to Newfoundland and Nova Scotia, and south to the western mountains of California and Arizona. Heavy-chested with a stout, conical bill, the pine grosbeak is the largest of the northern finches, about 8 to 10 inches long, with a wingspan of up to 15 inches. The male sports beautiful red color on the head, back, rump, and breast, with gray sides, belly, and undertail coverts. The female is gray overall, with orange or sometimes olive-brown on the head, nape, and rump. Both male and female have black tails and black wings with two pale bars. The pine grosbeak's song is a sweet-sounding warble, and its call is a three-note whistle. By the way, pinicola is Latin for pine-dweller, and enucleator refers to the bird's method of extracting seeds hidden within protective cones. In Newfoundland, as we mentioned in last week's mystery bird contest, the pine grosbeak's slow movements and tendency to remain stationary for long periods has earned it the nickname mope. In a group of grosbeaks is collectively known, whether there are 144 or any other number of them, as a gross of grosbeaks. Today's featured feathered friend, Pinicola enucleator, the pine grosbeak. Welcome again. It's our show number 906. Peter Cavanaugh is a Pacific Northwest wildlife photographer and author who's been taking photographs since he was a boy of five growing up in England. He's a member of the North American Nature Photographers Association, and he guest curated the exhibit How Birds Fly at the Seattle Museum of Flight. Among his recent shows was a six-month exhibit, Birds of the Pacific Northwest, at the Seattle Aquarium. Peter's images have been included three times in the Audubon Society's Top 100 Bird Photographs of the Year. His newest book is called 100 Flying Birds, Photographing the Mechanics of Flight. He joins us now from the San Juan Islands of Washington State, to tell us about this marvelous book. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Ray. It's wonderful to have you with us, and it's wonderful to have uh, your book with me right here, too. It is uh, just a marvelous, marvelous uh, creation. So 100 Flying Birds Photographing the Mechanics of Flight. You've photographed thousands of birds. Peter, how hard was it to narrow this down to 100? And tell us about that connection with the mechanics of flight. So uh, flight has always been a fascinating thing for me, Ray. I I think partly because uh, I do hold uh, an instrument-rated private pilot's license, and so I've studied aerodynamics as part of that. Um, I have loved birds. uh, I have loved photography. And so it seemed like a very natural mix for me to concentrate on flying birds. And uh, I also... um, 
professionally uh, have been a professor of biomechanics at a number of universities, and so biomechanics is explaining motion uh, in a mechanical sense, and so flight has a fascination for me in, in that regard too. So uh, uh, I have concentrated for about the last decade on just photographing birds in flight. Mm-hmm. So when you were taking a picture, how does this sort of enter your mind in terms of biomechanics? Uh, does that affect somehow the way you take a photograph or when you take a photograph or just what position of flight a bird is in? Yes, I, I'm looking for a a photograph in a sequence that explains some aspect of how birds are able to do this remarkable thing such as flight. And of course, with today's cameras where you can track a bird across the screen, typically from a single encounter with a flying bird, I end up with 10 to 15 shots because I'm shooting at 30 frames a second. So I can just look through these shots on my computer until I see a shot that explains the phenomenon that I want. Um, For example, if I'm photographing a a takeoff, I I spend a lot of time waiting for birds to fly. Um, (laughs) Often I spend, you know, an hour or more underneath the perch waiting for a bird to fly. And then I can choose a sequence of, say, four to six shots that illuminate how Takeoff is the interaction between the thrust of the bird's legs, uh, raising the wings, and then uh, a powerful downstroke to get both uh, lift and propulsion. So that enables me to illustrate just how birds do this thing that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, your your book, uh, in addition to the truly amazing photographs, has these has uh, all these wonderful accounts included included with. Uh, with each bird and a description based on their habitat or their conservation status or, or other things. Uh, I think in the time we have here, we could ask you to maybe read one of those bird accounts, Peter? I'd love to do that. Um, one of my favorite birds is the wandering albatross uh, in the southern oceans. And um, on page 273, there is a picture of a southern albatross. And the accompanying text goes like this. I think we should all carry albatrosses around our necks, just like the ancient mariner in Samuel Taylor Coleridge's poem. The mariner shot a single albatross, but we have nearly wiped out the entire albatross family. Because of human actions, albatrosses share the unfortunate distinction with cranes of being amongst the most threatened group of birds in the world. In her 2008 uh, article, conservationist Rosemary Gates discussed the dire status of every one of the world's 23 species of albatrosses. Since that time, the situation has only worsened. Every member of the albatross family, except the black-browed albatross, is now classified on the IUCN red list as at least vulnerable. The major threat is long-line fishing, which is an industrial-level fishing technique that involves placing lines more than 80 miles long in the water with thousands of baited hooks. The albatrosses take the bait and are fatally snared on the hooks. Efforts to change fishing practices have been partially successful, but old methods die hard. 
This photograph of a male bird taken during a voyage from Ushuaia, Argentina, to the island of South Georgia in the southern Atlantic Ocean. A dense cloud of birds, mostly albatrosses and petrels, followed the ship, occasionally pausing to feed on fish and krill tossed about in the ship's churning wake. The 11.5 maximum wingspan of the wandering albatross is longer than any other living bird. The high aspect ratio, the ratio of length to width, is aerodynamically efficient and it's been copied by the designers of modern sailplanes. These birds make incredibly long foraging flights over the ocean, typically 1,200 miles and 75 hours, with only occasional flapping. They exchange energy, energy forms during bank turns and exploit differences between wind speeds at different heights above the ocean, a technique known as dynamic soaring. In Coleridge's poem, the ancient mariner was given the penance of roaming the world and telling everyone he met of his sin against the albatross. This photograph of a vulnerable species serves as a modern-day reminder that we should still be heeding the mariner's lament. Mm -hmm. Talking with Peter Cavanaugh. Peter, you talk about going on to develop further as a photographer and storyteller, and uh, I think you've already begun doing that, in part at least, with a new book that you'll be revealing soon. We only have a few seconds here, really, but can you give us a quick preview of that that other book? So, um, building on this particular book, I'm I'm going to write a book, and I am writing a book now, specifically dedicated to how birds fly. <laughs> and my idea is, uh, with both the books, is to give birders an extra dimension to their birding experience. Instead of just seeing the bird perching, checking it, and moving on, my books are intended to give an additional dimension to, uh, to help enjoy the bird, and that is details about its flight. Mm -hmm. Peter Cavanaugh's newest book is called 100 Flying Birds, Photographing the Mechanics of Flight. Peter, congratulations on the book. It is absolutely fabulous, and we'll uh, look forward to hearing about your next one. Thank you, Ray. It's been a pleasure to be here. Peter's website, by the way, is petercavanaugh.com. US, and you can find out more of his, or see more of his truly stunning photographs on Instagram at Peter Kavanaugh Birds. Kavanaugh with a C, by the way. Thanks again, Peter. Coming up next, it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. Our mystery bird is beautiful looking, if not all that sweet sounding. It's a medium-sized wading bird up to 30 inches long with a wingspan of two and a half feet. 
breeding adults have blue-gray plumage except for the head and neck, which are purplish with short blue plumes. Our bird forages often in belly-deep freshwater, brackish or saltwater wetlands, feeding mostly on small fish. Some more clues there on our mystery bird contest. And the key thing here would be to uh, give us a call as soon as you can. Um, while I, uh, how do I do this? Do not disturb button. Thank you. <laughs> we, we want you to disturb us, but not on that particular phone. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. 781-837-4900. Prizes include a $15 gift certificate for Beauty of Books, a family-owned company offering one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. And while you're enjoying a read from Beauty of Books, some delicious coffee to sip from Birds and Beans. So we have a 12-ounce bag of shade-grown, certified, organic, bird-friendly, delicious Birds and Beans coffee. And by the way, we have a special bonus prize this morning, too. Uh, more about that uh, just ahead. But just ahead next, that would be Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. beauty Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world, New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology, from field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com. B-U-T-E-O. Beautyobooks.com. Quest Nature Tours has offered exceptional tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. In 2023, join us to Quest for the Quetzal in Costa Rica or our brand new Zambia Safari. See amazing wildlife and explore habitats with travel companions who truly enjoy nature. Talkin' Birds listeners receive a $150 credit towards their first tour. Visit QuestNatureTours.com today. Birds and much more, guaranteed. Mike O'Connor from the famous and justly so Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod is with us uh, with, uh, I think it's kind of an unusual uh, topic uh, this morning. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Ray. Yeah, good morning. We're talking mothballs today. Yeah. It says here, mothballs, good, bad, and the ugly. That's, <laughs> I'm just quoting you there. That's what... <laughs> good and bad, Bill. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we're talking about mothballs today. You know, it's funny mothballs like been around forever, and we all mm. take them. It's, it's like one of the things in the you know, in a toolkit like WD forty or duct tape. <laughs> one of the things, the go to thing when somebody has a problem, I'll put some mothballs on. Turns out that that's not a good thing. Mm. Unlike the first two things, WD forty and duct tape, this is actually toxic. It's a pesticide, and. Um, and it can only be used for certain situations. I have customers who get the meal moths from bird seed, and they want to use mothballs. But that's not what that's for. Meal moths aren't the same moths that chew our clothes. That's what mothballs are for. <laughs> and and you, you don't don't use that for that because they use toxic. You can't mix it with bird seed. It'll be bad for the birds. You can't even breathe mothballs. You're supposed to use mothballs in an enclosed container. So if you've got your cashmere sweater, Ray, when you go out dancing... And when you're done, you put it in this closed container and you put some mothballs in that. I'll keep the, the the fabric moths from chewing it, in theory. But you just can't sprinkle it in your closet and you can't use it in the basement to keep mice out or the attic to keep bats out. First of all, it really doesn't work. And second of all, you, you're breathing all that toxicity. Hmm. You can't put them in the garden, you know, to get, oh, we'll keep the bunnies away. All this stuff is leaching into the ground. 
number one, it doesn't seem to work according to all the tests, and number two, it's just toxic and, and has all these warnings on the package, but nobody does that because, you know, that's their mothballs. We're all familiar with that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think um, I had an Aaron Agnes that used, used to keep mothballs in the closet <laughs> for years, and it's been like 50 years, and, and I haven't seen Aaron Agnes, so I'm just thinking maybe maybe it was just a bad idea. So I, I would... If you're going to, you know, you don't need this stuff leaching into the soil. You don't need it breathing in your house. You know, let's just not even do mothballs anymore unless mm-hmm. you have a cashmere sweater. And then you put it in a, a tight container mm-hmm. so you don't have to breathe it. And that's my word on mothballs. Wow. It's not the, the fix-all that people think it's going to be. All right. You, you might be surprised to know I also had an Aunt Agnes, and I'm pretty sure that she used mothballs too. But what I remember, they used to have this cedar closet. And it seemed like the cedar was something that would deter moths. But I'm probably wrong about that. I think it well, was but really... But cedar smells great, and it's natural. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Okay. You know, okay. Yeah, there you go. But, yeah, i got to go, right, because there's a, there's a um, vermilion flycatcher just down the road, and i got to go check I was supposed out. to ask you that at the beginning. So next time, we'll, uh, maybe we'll, we'll talk about that. But I want to add one other thing to that list of things with the WD-40 and the duct tape. And that would be uh, Goo Gone. Goo Gone? Yeah, you got to have that. Oh, or that's another thing. Sticky yeah, stuff. Right. yeah. All right. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'll put that on the list. Talk to you next week. Sounds okay. great. All right. I just should mention, yeah, about the Vermilion Flycatcher. There's one uh, being spotted just, I think, now or even today, maybe, on Cape Cod in the town of Brewster. Uh, that's a pretty spectacular sighting for eastern Massachusetts, for sure. 781-837-4900 is the number for the Mystery Bird Contest. And we have that beautiful $15 gift certificate for Beauty of Books, a family-owned company offering one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. And while you're enjoying a wonderful read from Beauty of Books, you can sip some delicious coffee courtesy of Birds and Beans, that beautiful 12-ounce bag of Birds and Beans coffee. That's the sound there of our mystery bird. The all-important number to call is 781-837-4900. Uh, we are already getting close to running out of time, so give us a call as soon as you can. And we have a beautiful bonus prize at stake this morning, uh, and we'll tell you about that, too. Uh, our, and the, But we'll do the contest first. We have Melissa, who is somewhere in New York. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning. Good morning. Got everything straightened out there? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm driving, so I'm hoping that I don't go through like a bad patch. But oh it's my good. god. Okay. Well, please be please be safe while you uh, tell us what this. I'm mystery... hands free. <laughs> okay. Hands free uh, driving or talking? Yes. Talking. D- talking. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you heard the clues and whatnot on our mystery yes. bird um, r- right there, uh, Melissa. What do you think it is? A little blue heron. It's a, just a little one there. A little blue heron. Absolutely uh, correct. You are right. Do you want to try a bonus question? I think we have time for it. Sure. Okay. Well, as we mentioned when we introduced Paul Gardner's audio postcard last week from Utah, um, Utah's nickname is the Beehive State. The question is, why is it called that? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, because Utah's bees produce more honey than those of any other state in the Union. B, because Utah's state capital in Salt Lake City is said to resemble the shape of a beehive. Or C, because the beehive is a symbol of hard work and industry. 
So those are three kind of legitimate possibilities there. What do you think? Uh, C? C would be because the beehive is a symbol of hard work and industry, and you're absolutely right. That is pretty good. Oh, my iPad just... Um, Yeah, I'm a little shocked. (laughs) There's the applause we were looking for with a rim shot in the middle. So, um, Melissa, you are going to be winning those prizes and a bonus prize from Wisdom Supply, and we have a real surprise for you here, I think. Uh, You will also win this fabulous book by Peter Cavanaugh, 100 Flying Birds, Photographing the Mechanics of Flight. Oh, thank you so much. You are are going to be crazy about that book, I I promise. And stay on the line, and we'll get your info and send you all that stuff. Great. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, Melissa. Correctly identifying the little blue heron as our mystery bird, and also uh, figuring out uh, why Utah is called the Beehive State. And we are out of time for this morning's show. Next week, we'll either have Molly Brown, head of the Birding Co-op, a grassroots organization that promotes inclusivity in the birding community worldwide, or we'll have Joan Sassman, author of the new book, Slow Birding. We just don't know yet, but we'll figure it out soon. Thanks for being with us. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Udio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Udiobooks.com